Welcome to Typecast, Boston's new play podcast. I'm your host, Darren Evans, the Managing Director of Boston Playwrights Theatre, the home for new plays in Boston. We've got a jam-packed show today, so I'm going to get right into introductions. In this episode, we are joined by Cayenne Douglas to discuss her new play, Beasts, which opens at BPT on April 7th. She is a New York City-based playwright, and her work has been produced at places such as the Ensemble Studio Theater, Fresh Ink Theater, Take 10 Theater Masters, and many more. Her play Maiden Voyage was featured on the 2020 Kilroy list, and it has also won three Kennedy Center National Awards. Cayenne is currently in the BMI Lehman Engel Musical Theater Workshop and is a part of Company One Theater's 2022 Volt Lab. She holds an MFA in playwriting from our very own program. Also joining us is director Kelly Galvin. A director, producer, and teaching artist, Kelly is passionate about making theater with artists and audiences of all ages and backgrounds. Her experiences as a director and producer range from new play premieres to large-scale classics, and from plays designed for a 400-seat proscenium to minimalist tours with only a small ensemble and a few costumes and props. She is currently on the faculty of CATA and Shakespeare and Company's education program. And last but not least, we've got the two leads from Beasts with us. Clara Francesca, who plays Judy, and Caroline Calkins, who plays Fran. Clara is an award-winning artist, director, and speech coach. Her passion is unlocking the individual's authentic voice with a genuine curiosity for investigating what it truly means to coexist in such a diverse world. Clara continues to create digital and non-digital invigorating art, theater, expositions, and music as a solo artist and as a member of multiple New York ensembles. She holds a double bachelor's degree in laws and biomedical sciences as a graduate of Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. And Caroline is an actor and teaching artist living in the Berkshires. Caroline can most often be found at Shakespeare and Company, where she acts and teaches in their education program. A trained Shakespearean actor, some past roles include Mandy in Time Stand Still, Rosalind in Love's Labor's Lost, Hermia in A Midsummer Night's Dream, and Juliet in that play that you probably know the title of. She holds a BA from Brown University. Cayenne, Kelly, Clara, and Caroline, welcome to Typecast. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You must have a hard sounding C name. I, I, want, I wanted to ask if that was part of the casting requirement for this show, but I, I know it's not true. We're going to dive in uh, right into questions about this play, which I'm so excited about. So we're going to start with you, Cayenne, and just, you know, for our listeners who are probably unfamiliar with this play, because it is a world premiere, can you just walk us through the genesis of this play? What was the idea that got you started on Beasts? Sure, thank you. Um, yeah, well, I was at when I first started writing this play, I was actually working on a different play with, with Kelly. And uh, there was one scene that I was working on, or one sort of topic um, that I was dealing with in that play that uh, really does I, I discovered that it really like needed a play of its own. So and that was sort of this topic that um, we're dealing with in Beasts, which, you know, has to do with uh, 
pregnancy and feelings towards pregnancies, what it means to have a female body and live inside um, of a female body. And I'm, I'm talking about cisgendered women, just to be clear when I'm saying this. Um, and as well as people that are pregnant that find themselves uh, lonely and isolated. So like both, what is that experience like um, either to be pregnant or not be pregnant as well as like, what is the metaphor of pregnancy? Um, and then the treatment of it, I really wanted to be mindful not to sort of deal with it in like an everyday realist sort of approach. Um, and these feelings also that I, uh, wanted to tackle, um, they're big feelings, right? And I didn't just want to, I wanted to like see what that looked like physically and see what that looked like on stage. And I also feel like it was around the time, also I'd just seen that movie, The Lighthouse, where it's like, it's like two men just like going at it. And so I just, I was like, wow, we never see women get to experience their feelings in that way. And, and what would that be like unless it's comedy unless it's something that we laugh at um so yeah i think you know we're, we're trying some things here yeah i'm glad you brought that up because i did want to i did want to touch on that there's like i don't know what you want to call them maybe some fantastical elements to the story i don't know if that's the right word if you or you would agree with that um and it sounds like you wanted to go in that direction to tackle some big feelings and emotions. Why was that? Why did you think that bringing that element in was important? Well, I think that element actually always exists, even in our everyday life. I think Ooh. it's actually like a truthful element to how we experience things. It's just that it's usually layered and covered. So the idea was sort of like to to peel that back. What would it look like? It, it actually, it wasn't a conscious you know, decision of like, I want to explore it in this way. It felt like there was no other way to dive into this material and to hit that sort of raw chord. Awesome. Nerve, if you will. Um, Kelly, I want to throw that a little bit over to you. We're, if we're dealing with some elements of realism and, and some elements that are non-realistic, or maybe that's not even the right word either since based on Cayenne's last answer, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Like, how, how do you think that those fantastic elements play in the overall storytelling? Like, were there challenges for that? Was that exciting? Like both? Just talk about that part of it. Sure. Um, we've talked about the this at various times as sort of a kind of surrealism coming in the play or the play moving from realism to surrealism. Uh, but what has clicked for me as we've worked on it and rehearsed it is that there is something really truthful that is actually allowed to come out once we go into a sort of surrealized telling of the story. Um, to me, what's happening is we're just externalizing all of the psychology and allowing the psychology of the relationship to kind of take over the the story and the stage. Um, and I find that really powerful because I think that in many of my relationships and in particular in my relationships with my sisters and my mother and my female friends, um, there are ways that we communicate that I think if you were just videoing it would be very subtle, little exchanges, glances, short sentences, 
but that the feeling and vibration between us is communicating huge multitudes. And I think to me, what I'm always tracking in this play is like, if I took that tiny moment and that tiny exchange and cracked it open like an egg and let it explode, um, what would that look like? And so I think the truth of that is just, um, it's a way of getting at the truth of that in a way that's really theatrical and in a way that allows us to kind of unpack those moments and be really messy about those moments that in real life might appear behaviorally very small, but feel emotionally and psychologically enormous. It almost feels a little bit like, um, I think, an approach to like musical theater, right? Like suddenly everyone breaks out into song. In this case, I think maybe some suddenly everyone breaks out into wolf howls or or fighting or <laughs> battling or something. <laughs> I think that's a great point. It's just that as the emotional and psychological stakes get bigger and bigger and bigger, we just allow the the style and the genre to change. And there are elements of the play, especially as we've been rehearsing it, that remind me of horror the horror genre and how you can kind of zoom into a moment or heighten a moment through style that actually really gets at something that feels truthful and that feels frightening. And so that as a, a genre has also been kind of um, guiding in this. So I do think that's a great, a great connection to make. Like in a musical, when, when words will no longer do, we have to sing. And maybe in Beasts, when realism will no longer do, we have to explode into absurdism. <laughs> I love that. Okay, well, we've got these talented actors here. It would be a shame not to put their talents to use. And so um, I've pulled a couple of pages from the script, a little snippet from the beginning. Um, and I'd love to uh, have Clara and Caroline read this through. And then, and then I've got questions and then we're gonna just talk about this little piece and how you worked on it and, and what the process is. So just the briefest of contexts, our characters are Judy and Fran, they are sisters, Fran is pregnant, Judy is visiting Fran at her home. This is towards the beginning of the play. Do you think there's any more context needed than that, Cayenne? I, no, I think that that's, that's great. All right, well, uh, actors, take it away. Why are you here? God damn it, Fran, I'm your sister. I just mean- Isn't that enough? Yes, I- Besides, I needed a break. A break? From what? From the city. I thought you loved the city. It's a love-hate relationship. Oh. You get that, right? What about your friends? What about them? How are they? Why are you asking? <sighs> wrong if you do, wrong if you don't. You don't have to entertain me. I'm not stupid. No one said. They're all married, Fran. They're all coupled up, signed, sealed, delivered, babies plopped by a stork, okay? Not that interesting. They don't have time for me, and I don't have time for them. I suppose I'm no different. Oh, you're different, all right. Don't give yourself a big head. You're not better than me. I never said. You love to push that in my face, don't no. you? No. Yeah, like a dog's nose pressed into urine when no. it pees on no. the carpet. Bad dog. Stop. Bad stop. See? Okay, let's just, what do you want? What do you need? Is it money? 
Do you need money? No. How much? Don't. How much do you need? Do not say that to me. Great. All right. A little round of applause for that scene. So, actors, what is going on for your characters in this scene? Like, what are your, what are you working on? What are your motivations? What are your actions? What's happening? Sure. So I'm Judy and I've decided to come to see my sister. And I think at this point in time, I'm hurting. I've been alone for a lot of my life. I've been her survival blanket and helper and nurturer. And I'm resentful about it. And so I think in this scene, I'm going in and out of wanting to hurt her, wanting to play with her, and just wanting to be left alone, but to do it with her watching, wanting to be held by a mother, wanting to be mothered by her. And I'm not very good at getting those needs met. And so it comes out in passive aggressive, plainly aggressive, mean language, uh, and sarcasm. I think Judy's very, very good at dry wit and uh she's she's hurting she's wounded yeah that is a very prickly way to to get any kind of comfort i will say what about you caroline what's what's going on on your end sure so i'm playing fran judy's younger sister and i think well fran is eight months pregnant at this point and judy has just shown up um a little bit out of the blue uh, and I think part of what's going on is Fran's just dealing with that. Fran is a person who likes things to be very organized and planned out. And her somewhat wilder, free spirit sister has just sort of like arrived in her life um, in a in a way that I think as we've discovered, these characters might be a familiar sort of dynamic. And I think um, one of the things that's happening in this scene is uh, that that thing that happens that is familiar to me where a familial relationship or a very close relationship that has had some separation is like all of a sudden re-collided. Um, and de dealing with that and sort of figuring out, negotiating um, the, the, the sort of territory of our space. I'm sort of trying to figure out why she's here. It's not clear to me yet. Um, and, I think underneath all of that, Fran is desperately wanting community and a friend and her sister, um, but that's underneath a, a lot of other things. <laughs> all right, so Cayenne, that's what the actors are up to. I mean, this is clearly a kind of a beginning of the play establishment kind of scene. So when you're writing this scene, like what are you trying to establish, what were you trying to establish about these characters in this fairly opening scene? I mean, when I first started writing it, I wasn't trying to establish anything at that at that moment, right? Because when I write, I just kind of let them first talk to me. I hear the words, I hear the characters speaking, and I just kind of like let it go. And then it's the going back and being like, okay, well, what's here? Who are they, these people? What do they want? And sort of that's something that I've figured out later. We had a very long uh like zoom development phase of this script so there was opportunities to sort of um talk about that and to figure out that question of what what does judy want from fran and how is she going to go about um getting that um which might not be like a, a tangible thing that we can point to you know um 
so so yeah I think like I'm in that opening scene like there's there's playing with like different tactics and different um different different levels and and different layers of how they go about sort of trying to well for Fran to try to sort of protect and like keep Judy sort of out of her space and for Judy about how she's going to sort of like make her presence known in Fran's house. All right. And finally, Kelly, um, feels to me like there's a, there's based on what we're hearing from um, everybody else and what we just heard in the reading, there's a lot crackling underneath this scene. It's a pretty basic, like almost a pseudo argument happening, but like a lot going on underneath there. Like, what are you in your direction of this scene? Like, what are you aiming for? What are you focusing on? What are you trying to like make sure the audience gets out of that scene? Sure. I think it's just making the relationship between the sisters feel incredibly specific. So we've talked a lot about just their history together and, and establishing a shared understanding of their history, even if that never gets mentioned in the play, so that there's a shared imaginative experience happening between Caroline and Clara that makes the relationship extremely specific. And part of that that's really important in this play is pregnancy and um the sisters are in their 30s and they're in this phase of life, whereas cisgender women, they're thinking about, well, one of them is eight months pregnant and Judy has a complex relationship with, with pregnancy. And so establishing, giving, even in this seemingly simple scene, there's a lot of negotiation about who they are now, who they have been to each other. Um, what it means that Judy has showed up when Fran's presumably about to have this baby. Um, and just the, the crackling emotion of the, the physical bodily changes that are happening. Um, and, and I think that part of this, an element of this play to me and, and a big way that I've approached it is that the play on some level is a cautionary tale about, about what it means when you've separated your yourself from your animal self. And there's something really visceral about pregnancy that it's going to maybe force you to deal with a part of yourself that is a mammal. And um, I think even in this relatively simple exchange, there's just real negotiation happening about who we are in space together. So after our long Zoom development process, it's been incredible to just get in the space because being on stage with Fran and the eight month pregnant belly, just it's a third character in a way. It's this element in the play that, that even this scene with some simple language is really about negotiating how to physically be in space together in this context. Ooh, love it. That is awesome. Well, right now we're going to take a short break to hear from this month's sponsor. But when we come back, we are going to delve further into the world of beasts, and then we'll lighten things up with a fun game. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Summer is just around the corner, and you know what that means. It's time to try out the latest viral diet craze. And I don't know about you, but I could certainly use to lose the COVID-19, if you know what I mean. So I am thrilled to partner with The Plant Life Lifestyle. Now I know what you're thinking. Isn't that just veganism? Don't be silly. Veganism is for posers. 
With the plant life lifestyle, you'll be living it up just like your favorite green plant buddies. All you need is the great outdoors, some sunshine, and perseverance. You can't get more eco-friendly and calorie cutting than this. When you order the Plant Life Lifestyle Kit, you'll receive a detailed guidebook on how to implement our patent-pending daily habits to reach your peak health and weight. Instructions include how to hydrate by standing in the rain with your mouth open, burying yourself in the ground with a full-body soil treatment, laying completely still in the sunlight for eight hours, and more. Plant lifers are saying, I'm healthy, glowing, and thriving, just like a weed. And I feel like I'm one with the earth, and I've got the dirt in my crevices to prove it. So are you ready to live it up plant style? When you use our code BPTGROW90 at checkout, you'll receive 90% off your first lifestyle box. What a steal. That's BPTGROW90 at checkout. Sunscreen and other nutrients not included. Definitely not approved by any government agency. Okay, we are back. And uh, Kyan and Kelly, you both mentioned the uh, long workshop process a bit. And um, I'm, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that from anybody in this process. Can you talk about some pivotal moments of discovery during the time that you've been working together? Like what's changed? What did you, what are some big things you may have discovered over, you know, two years of, of plugging away at this script for some of you, obviously the actors came a little bit later, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Like what have you learned? What, what are some of the big things? Yeah. Um, well, we started, I think it's so long ago um, with just sort of, I think like reading through a few different drafts. This is like the summer, like the first COVID summer. Um, and, and we started there and then we did a workshop with BU students um, in the fall and sort of um, really unpacked the material. And in between our sessions, I was like rewriting scenes and we'd come back together and have these like dramaturgy discussions about the play. Um, and, and then in preparation for this production, um, Kelly is really great about having, knowing when to be like, I think it's time for the rewrites and also like giving space to do that. So we sort of went back scene by scene and like sort of made sure that the intention of each scene was clear. A big thing that changed was um, Fran's job or that she used to be a photographer and now she's uh, focused on interior design. So that sort of changed it. And there are a few scenes that were just kind of like, I call them like filler scenes. Like, I feel like they weren't <laughs> like, um, they were, I just knew sort of like that this was a scene where this sort of thing happens. There was like a scene where um, Judy was sort of like teaching Fran how to act. But like, I knew that that was just like what that was about. It was like, this is the scene where this gets established in their, their relationship. Or this is the scene where like this chunk of information gets unpacked. But it felt like very disjointed from like the through line of the entire like script. So then uh, changing it to uh, this um, interior design thing just felt um, a little stronger because so Fran had like a stronger want and need. Um, and then I, I think it also serves as like 
a metaphor for what their interiors are and where where their bodies are in space. Um, but yeah, I think that that was really, really pivotal and helpful prior to coming here to meet in person was just going through scene by scene and having really, um, really in-depth discussions about that. And then since we've been in the rehearsal room, it's been just amazing to have these wonderful actors and I've been rewriting a lot since we've been here. I, I pretty extensively rewrote two scenes um, because I, I love seeing the actors play and especially these actors. And, um, you know, I think that the first production is about sort of just figuring out what you wrote. And then I, and once that articulation is there, I like to try to write towards the articulation to sort of like strengthen that. And so that we build the play collaboratively. Great. So other folks want to chime in on some discoveries that you've, you've made during this process, Kelly, either like early on or, or finally, once you got like the actual actors in or actors, what you've discovered so far. Sure. I mean, yeah. Um, one really uh, gratifying part of the development process was watching the play from my point of view, become more and more itself, which I think is the ideal, <laughs> the ideal experience to be having. Cause when I first, as Kyan mentioned, we were working on a different play, which was really fun, really different, but um, she kind of had a, a burst of creativity. It was like, I wrote this and three day, a three day span. And I read it and I had a just really strong impulse about it. I was like, oh yeah, this, there's a lot to dig into here. And, and the, and it's cool to like, I, I think the play we have now in a way is what I felt when I first read it, but it, you know, it was still nascent and um, it's been fun with Cayenne because I feel like I can really just ask the well-placed questions. Why is Judy really here? And then Cayenne can go do a really astute, creative rewrite. Um, and then we can just keep homing in on that. And that's just been a really gratifying part of the process because I think we've moved, like in a way it has just felt like we're peeling back to get to the essence of the play instead of adding on. And it was a great way to come into rehearsal to feel like, oh, we've peeled back all these layers and we're getting really close to the essential impulse of the play. I want to ask the actors um, if you've approached this script differently than any other before that you've been working on, uh, or just do you approach new plays in general different than scripted plays? Like, what is the process here for you? Um, you know, with the playwright in the room, you know, making rewrites, and you know, um, how does how do you work with that? Um, I it's been so much fun. I have loved being part of the new play process, which I haven't done in a while. And I think that um, what's been exciting to discover for me has been the truly collaborative process that um, I think Cayenne and Kelly are, are specifically open to and really good at. So it's just been really fun to be able to um, just kind of play with my wonderful scene partner, Clara, and sort of see what happens and then like the next day Kayam will come in with a rewrite and something can just sort of like bubble to the surface will be in the play and that's just been really um just yeah really exciting and fun and I feel like all of our imaginations are kind of like in a soup together 
Delicious soup. What about you, Clara? Yeah, I, I echo that. What's really exciting with Cayenne's rewrites is that when a new piece of language comes into the room, it'll deeply change the specificity of the intention or the emotion that I thought I understood the day before. And then I'm being asked to look at it in a whole new way and it deepens my understanding of Judy. And I think it challenges my scene partner and my character on stage to be more present. And so that's been really, really magical. I really am a big fan of Kyan's work, not to get all mushy, but I've liked her work for many years. It's really nice to be here. And then to have the experience of being, yeah, day in, day out, working with such an amazing team from all the perspectives who are really interested in bringing these characters and serving these characters' needs to the, the point of a specific definite article and the, at the, how that impacts and changes the rhythm and the motivation of the characters' need to say that line is really beautiful and, you know, unique, I would say, on some level to having new writing being alive in the room. All right, Cayenne. So um, we're going to get to the big question. So I'm going to take a breath and prepare yourself, okay? Why should people come see this show? Why this play now? Um, I don't know. Have you ever seen a play called Beasts? It's such a... <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know. I haven't... Uh, I haven't seen anything like it in the theater. I mean, I... I I think it's I think it's different, and I think it's a different. I think as to what everyone was saying, but what was Kelly saying about the um, like sort of like turning the psychology inside out? I think that's not something that we get to see anymore. That usually not usually, but often plays you know are just like in that realism world, or they're in a different, completely fantastical world. Um, and if you like character driven pieces, which is, you know, that's kind of like my jam, um, that uh, it's something that you can like as an audience member sit and I think, and hopefully get invested in and, and not have all the um, answers laid out for you. I think the play, you know, asks more questions than it does provide answers. And even if you don't understand every little thing, like I'm hoping that it, that certain aspects at least ping off you in a visceral way. I don't think it's all about like head understanding. I think there's heart understanding and body understanding and, um, and there's a lot of little like treats throughout it. And um, the company is fantastic. So, you know, why not? Sounds like an endorsement to me. I kind of feel like I should mention uh, <laughs> we are, it's Friday before tech, we're recording this and uh, this play is still very much in the process of coming together. If you hear uh, sawing or <laughs> like screws being put into wood in the recording of this, that's because that's actually happening right now. This play is literally being built as we are recording this podcast. Uh, we're not here in a um, uh, soundproof uh, studio where we're, we're here where the work is happening. So enjoy that. Enjoy those background sounds as well. All right. Well, you've been talking about collaborating together. You've been talking about how much fun and play you've been having on this production. So we're going to dig into that. Uh, and this is a podcast about playwriting. So we're going to rewrite the script a little bit here. This is the game. 
the game this week we're calling Beasts Against Humanity, uh, which if you haven't figured it out, is a take on Cards Against Humanity, the popular party game. And uh, what we're going to do, we're going to take some lines from the show straight from, from this script, and we're going to improve them uh, by completing um, the lines using the Cards Against Humanity answer cards. that I. So you all have a sheet uh, of Cards Against Humanity cards answers. Uh, I assume we're all at least vaguely familiar with Cards Against Humanity. Is that is that true? Clara, maybe not. All right. All right. Well, we have to play then, Clara. I'll, clearly, that's the next step is we all have to play. Uh, but all right. So quick tutorial uh, is uh, I'm going to read out a prompt. It's going to be a line from the script. The part of it is missing. And then you're all going to pick one answer from the cards that you have to fill in the gap what you think is the best fill in right was and best is your own definition uh for what you think is usually it's the funniest but it could be anything you're gonna fit so you so we're all you're all gonna give an answer to each prompt and as the host of course i will choose who wins that round uh and whoever has the most points at the end wins but of course we're all gonna be winners because it's gonna be hilarious are we ready to play Beasts Against Humanity? Ready. <laughs> I can't wait. All right. The first prompt from the script is, do you want to know what we're having? It's blank. Kelly, start with you. Nicholas Cage. Do you want to know what we're having? It's Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Cayenne, you're next. Uh, I'm going to go with a tiny horse. Do you want to know what we're having? It's a tiny horse. Clara. I'm going to go with God. Do you want to know what we're having? It's God. And Caroline. Menstrual rage. Do you want to know what we're having? It's menstrual rage. <laughs> That's the tagline for this. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that has to be the winner, right? Like that clearly is like on point for this production. Perfect. All right. Point for Caroline. All right. Next one. Here's the prompt. Honey, it's called blank. Just stick it in his mouth and take a breath. All right. We'll, uh, we're going to mix up the order this time. Uh, we're going to go with the winner of last round. It's Caroline. You're up first. Lunchables. Honey, it's called Lunchables. Just stick it in his mouth and take a breath. All right, Cayenne. Um, I'm going to go with the female orgasm. Honey, it's called <laughs> the female orgasm. Just stick it in his mouth and take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's, that's going to be tough to beat. I won't lie. Uh, Kelly, you're up. All you can eat shrimp for $4.99. <laughs> Honey, it's called All You Can Eat Shrimp for $4.99. <laughs> Just stick it in his mouth and take a breath. Pretty good. All right, Clara, you're last. I'm going to go with Natalie Portman. <laughs> Honey, it's called Natalie Portman. Just stick it in his mouth and take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that, this is a tough one, actually. I have to say, tough tough call there what are you gonna do darren i don't know <laughs> shrimp. right it's the shrimp uh, i like the shrimp but maybe you know for a play with it is not realistic might be a little too on the nose kelly um fair, fair i don't know i think there's something about uh uh something about natalie portman i feel like that that's gonna 
That's gotta go. <laughs> it's Natalie Portman is the winner. Clara gets a point. All right, we're gonna do one more. Here we go. You know, the strangest thing happened on the flight home. I asked for salted peanuts and they gave me blank instead. I asked for salted peanuts and they gave me blank instead. Winner of the last round goes first. That's you, Clara. They gave me Joe Biden instead. Ooh, yes. <laughs> He's going to win twice. <laughs> I asked for salted <laughs> peanuts and they gave me Joe Biden instead. <laughs> All right, good. Up next, Kelly. A disappointing birthday party. <laughs> I asked for salted peanuts. And they gave me a disappointing birthday party instead. Kind like. of like Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Caroline, what do you got? My inner demons. I asked for salted peanuts <laughs> and they gave me my inner demons instead. All right, we're going to, last word goes to the playwright. Cayenne, what do you got? This is in the same uh family is i think caroline's the heart of a child <laughs> i asked for salted <laughs> peanuts and they gave me the heart of a child instead <laughs> that's a winner right there i think that is uh yeah also salty um great so that's a point for cayenne so cayenne got a point caroline got a point clara got a point you all got a point which means the winner is kelly <laughs> for being the ultimate collaborator and setting everyone else up for success. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, Kelly, Cayenne, Caroline, Clara, thank you so much for talking with us today on Typecast. Um, hype moment here, aside from Beasts, which is coming right up, we'll give you some information about that in a second. Uh, anybody got something else after that coming up that uh, our listeners should be looking out for? Yeah, can I say something? Yeah, Clara, go. <laughs> so this festival that we just ended is having a reboot. It's called Hashtag Make Us Visible. It is a network of monuments for a political movement, for a like-minded cause about gender visibility on the streets in which you live, wherever that may be. So get your web browser out and type in XR ensemble.com and see beautiful free augmented reality sculptures wow oh, yes that oh, sounds amazing. i don't even know what that is but it sounds amazing <laughs> wow That's so cool i was literally just take over here taking notes so i can type that in i'm fascinated about uh about that i'm gonna ask you more about that offline anybody else want to plug an upcoming project yeah, if you find yourself in the beautiful Berkshires this summer, uh, come to Shakespeare and Company and see Much Ado About Nothing, which I'm directing outside in the uh, new, brand new outdoor theater. Uh, it runs July 2nd through August 14th, and you can uh, get more info about the show at Shakespeare.org. And I was out in the Berkshires last summer. It's so nice out there. Get out there and see much ado about nothing. I love that. I think I'm going to have to do that. Yeah, do it. All right. Anybody else chiming in? Hype three, two, one. All right. Perfect. Friends, Beasts runs from April 7 to April 17 at our very own Boston Playwrights Theater. Go to bostonplaywrights.org for info and tickets. This play is 
both fantastical and thought-provoking, so you don't want to miss it. Grab your mask, make sure you've got your proof of vaccination, and come here, support new plays. Uh, and thanks to you all, of course, for listening in. I'm Darren Evans, and this is Typecast. Today's episode was written and edited by our student producer, Mavis Manaloto, with a tiny amount of assistance by me. Mavis also wrote this episode's parody commercial, and McKenna Hardin, our spring co-op, assisted with the creation of this episode's game. The theme music is Off to Osaka, and the final credits music is Malt Shop Bop, both by Kevin McLeod. You can find his incredibly wide-ranging music at incompetech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. For more information about Boston Playwrights Theater, including our spring season of new plays, visit bostonplaywrights.org. See you next time on Typecast.